Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm with the wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And we are on. Hey, welcome everybody. This is the Man Up Podcast. What is this, Double Nickels? Double Nickel. Double Nickels, number 55. We're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is the Man Up Room in Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Texas, which is right outside of Houston. And if you don't know where Houston is, it's in Texas, which is the second largest state in the nation. Take the globe, spin it around. Put your finger down on the U.S. Pretty good chance. Uh, well, if you're not in Texas, get here as fast as you can. In the southeast corner is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. We are so glad you're here. This is going to be a special uh, edition of the Man Up podcast. Going to get a chance to get to know the guys a little bit deeper and the spiritual journey that each of these regular men have been on. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys. This is a spiritual oasis for men. And what we do with this Man Up podcast is we we like to try and help and encourage each man out there to go and deepen your faith and be the leader that your family, your community, and your occupation, and more importantly, your Lord has always wanted you to be. And with that, I'm going to go just introduce uh, our panel today. Kyle Trahan has a uh, has an excuse, you know, excused absence. His wife wanted him to stay home, so our deacon isn't here. But we got a replacement for him. It's his second time here. Amos, great guy. He's a student in biblical studies, so you might have heard earlier that we're not pastors, and, well, we're not. But Amos is going to be a counselor uh, when he graduates uh, from Nigeria. We're glad he's here. Also, we have uh, Michael Cropper. We call him the judge. He's an attorney, prosecutor. Uh, Michael Cropper is back. And our resident uh, policy writer, professional gambler, Mr. Steve Titch, is here. And... Our professor, he's a professional trainer, Robert Koshu, uh, and my name is Bill Cox, and I'm basically a salesman, and uh, but I'm a writer and actor as well. So you can find us on Facebook, we're also on SoundCloud, we're on iTunes, and you can if, if you want to find out a little bit more about us, all those other episodes are available and the different studies that we have done. But also we've sprinkled in some interviews so you can get a little deeper information about the guys. So, and with that, I'm going to start out and turn it over to uh, the professor. Yeah, Bill. Um, I had a really great experience on Saturday. I want to give a shout out to Denny Mussolini from Vigilantes Radio. Oh, yeah, it's from Mississippi. Only One Way Media. I was interviewed on their program, so you can find my interview on theirs, or you can find it on our podcast list as well. But I want to kind of give a shout-out to them. It was a great experience. We really want to encourage people to go listen to it. And then I'm going to add in, because you forgot again, 
but that's okay. Follow us on Twitter at Manupsergaland. Ouch. <laughs> ouch, ouch. And the host now. Yeah, that, hey, that's right. Smack the host around. And Mr. Steve Titch, welcome. Hey, uh, back. Uh, <laughs> what do you need to know? <laughs> um, uh, it's it's um, we're between stuff, so I understand we're going to have a few questions to go through. A little bit more revealing about ourselves. It's interesting what you can find out about guys when you ask, you know, some some basic innocuous questions. Exactly, <laughs> and that's what we're going to do. Uh, Michael Cropper, we're glad you're here as well. Hey, it's good to be here, Bill. Guys, uh, always a chance to, to to talk about the Lord, especially with men. It comes from our men's class, and. Uh, I, this time, Bill's going to give us an opportunity to share a little bit, and uh, I always look forward to that because uh, I'm here because of the grace of God. That's it. Excellent. Mr. Amos, we're glad you're here. Just say hi to the folks. Hi to everyone. I'm glad to be here. This is the second time to be in this uh, forum. I'm looking forward to a wonderful time this evening. Is we are in between studies, and we're going to be going diving into First Samuel uh, starting next week, and th- and that is all about leadership, and that's going to be a great study. But what we wanted to do this week, since we've completed our first year, is to just uh, let you get to know the panelists here a little bit more. Of course, it's easy. We're just regular guys, but what many of you might not understand is the diversity that we have uh, among this group. Uh, what I want to do is just go around the room, and I'm going to just pose some uh, some you know questions that that you might have of the the very people that uh, you congregate with. You might say hi to them. You might see them, but do you really know them? Uh, and with that, I wanted to start out with the first question is, so you can uh, let the group know uh, where you're from and your basic journey on how you got here. And uh, start out with uh, with Mr. Steve Titch. Oh. Well, uh, I, I've hinted at it, uh, mentioned it a few times in the past, but putting it all together here... Um, I'm from New York, New York City, a Brooklyn boy. Really? I didn't know the city. I thought you were from New York State. Yeah, I, 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 I grew up in I, I grew up in Brooklyn, kind of my first, I think, till I was about 10. Okay. Uh, 10 or 11. And then moved uh, with my family to Westchester County to a little town called Hartsdale near White Plains. We're kind of squeezed between White Plains and Scarsdale, if you want to uh, pull out your globe again. <laughs> right. Uh, and um, that must have been a shock going moving from the city to a, a small town. Or no, 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 no. It was straight suburbs. Oh, it straight was, suburbs. Oh, it okay. Was, it was the precursor uh, to to what we have here in Sugarland. Okay. It was just and right. And I and it was a residential neighborhood. I'm I'm looking forward to going uh, not back to my Canarsie neighborhood uh, in where I grew up, but. Brooklyn, um, be staying in a Brooklyn Airbnb this July for a visit back to New York, uh, first time in a long time. And, uh, but your upstate, the upstate might be from the fact that I went to Syracuse University. Oh, okay. Uh, and, right, all right. And studied journalism there. Uh, graduated, I'll, I'll, I'll date myself, graduated in 1980. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, got a job. It, 
pretty quickly after that, about six months, by December of that year, I was working at a, at a really uh, quality business newspaper called Electronic News, uh, where I really paid my dues and learned my trade. And, and it was a great place to be because the electronics industry was, of course, already taking off by 1980. The, the, the semiconductor industry had come up. And, but I was working uh, covering telecommunications. And of course, that year '81 was the year of the anti AT&T antitrust suit, the breakup of AT&T. Oh yeah! Uh, and wow. that ex that 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 burst open an entirely new market. Long story short, it created a lot of new new advertisers. Therefore, it created a lot of new publications. And I was in literally on the ground floor, and for about 20 years, did a, did a lot of journalism in telecommunications, uh, and that. That began to implode a bit, uh, both with the 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 dot com the dot com crisis, the dot com meltdown in around around 2000, uh, the crisis that publications had going to the web. Uh, so some jobs contracted, and about that time I moved into policy writing uh, around 2003 2004, and I've been doing that more uh, over for for since then, and now. Um, as part, alongside that, that's kind of where I began to have a little more free time to uh, become part of a blackjack team, to develop my skills there, then become yeah, a blackjack be team. that professional gambler, and, there and you then, go. And, and that, that was part of it, and then I kind of gradually moved over to poker as it became more and more difficult to play blackjack just because of game conditions and being recognized. Uh, but it's been fun. And so I've got an avocation there, and more of late now, I'm doing more of this, talking about my own spiritual journey. Uh, to, to, to bring it all back to that, we talked a little about professionally. I was raised Catholic. I was, my, my parents were Catholic. I attended a Catholic school, uh, grammar school. I attended a Catholic high school. Fell away after that. Fell away from the faith. Uh, and in part because I... I, I being a rebellious young guy, that was part of it. But to be perfectly honest, uh, Catholicism really didn't have it for me. I had more questions. It was very doctrinaire. And I didn't return to the faith until about the time I was 30. For about right around, I met my wife, or the woman who would be my wife. And she got me attending church, but that was Presbyterian church. And it was a reformed. It was, it was a reformed church. And that kind of reintroduced me to a real Bible-based faith, uh, to a more, uh, to really, it, it, it stripped away to me the, the whole, many of the things you grow up in Catholicism, and, and Kyle would be here to perhaps vouch for this as well, um, it, it is certainly a Christian faith, it is, there are, it is, there are certainly people who are, who are faithful in it. For me, there's a lot of trappings that be, being more in a Protestant tradition now, moves away from. So we study the Bible more directly, we read it, we, we, we base a lot of, of what we know about the Lord through what it says in Scripture, and the, the classic Protestant sola scripture, our own scripture, you know, being the first and, and primary authority, that is one of the big appeals to me, and it's always been um, since, since I, I started. Um, so, attended Presbyterian churches, really up through my move here to Texas, 2004 or so, 
until around uh, five, six years ago now, I have to really look at the calendar, we, uh, I started attending here, Sugarland Baptist. And if you had asked me, now why did you get back? If you had asked me at Syracuse University, uh, you, you ever be or even my first job in New York, working at, working at Electronic News on 12th Street, New York City, Greenwich Village, uh, Great. I mean, that I is. Lived in Greenwich so Village. I didn't live in Greenwich Village, but you know, that was my neighborhood. Strand Bookstore, uh, and uh, you know, and you know, Washington Square, uh, Bleecker Street Cinema. Uh, so anyway, but I'm, I, I digress. But if you had asked me then, that one, I'd be living in Texas. <laughs> right. Right. I'd be, you know, married, living in a suburb, living in a in a in a in a, in a suburb like Sugarland, Texas, in a house. Our kid, wife and kid was one thing, but attending a Baptist church? Are you nuts? I would have said, yeah. My, Are you my, nuts? My, my, if I were to go back in time, you know, through a through a time warp and meet myself, that's exactly what I would say. You're myself. right. You're nuts. <laughs> you are nuts, exactly. <laughs> Michael Cropper. Yes, Bill. Tell me, uh, the You're actually that... from here, though. Mm-hmm. I actually, I just kind of want to, so the listeners can get an idea of the fact that the journeys that each of us have made to get here. Now, I mean, obviously, you didn't go far because you, you're you from Houston, you were born in the Heights, but your faith journey has taken you from being in a rock and roll band, being married, being divorced, going to law school, and then you morphed into... The judge. Whatever I, whatever I am. <laughs> whatever you are. So whatever. Go, ahead. Right. go ahead and just uh, take us through that. And, and, and I'm curious. I want to make sure I hear this right as yeah. you do it. You grew. You were born in the Heights. Did you make sure you tell us? Did you grow up in that part of Houston too? Then? Yes, that's a, a good question. Okay. And, and please, please ask me if I don't make it clear. And uh, and if it gets boring, just shake your head at me or something. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I grew up in the Heights in the middle of. Uh, uh, Eugene Field Elementary, Hamilton Middle School, and Reagan High School. Okay. I was literally in walking distance from all about equal distance. The way my dad plotted it out, we uh, he bought a home there. Um, I will tell you. I mentioned earlier that the, he wasn't Lord, a Christian, right? Right. No, my dad did not die a Christian that I know of. Okay. Um, I, I was a miracle, at least to me, from the very time I was born. Not because I, I, I was I was miraculous. The, con- the conception. What is it? The yeah. Immaculate uh, birth. But yeah, yeah. But but whenever I was born was 1951, and about that time they discovered penicillin. Okay, and I I was born with almost pneumonia, bronchitis back then, and back then it turned into pneumonia very easy, and you died. So about about really? the year, yes, yeah. yes, yes, about the year I I uh, I was born. And I had many cases of bronchitis growing up, and, and thank God for penicillin. So I can see, through the time when the Lord put me here, I can see his hand in it. Because had I been born a year or two before that, I would probably not not uh, not be here, as I understand. I, you so. know, I, and let, let me just uh, interrupt you real quick. Yeah. Uh, you know, when people talk about miracles, mm-hmm. and they talk about they, they want to see God work a, a, a great miracle, mm-hmm. I would rather have something good happen to me. That's a miracle, as opposed with see a miracle. Mm-hmm. You know, something good happened to me. That's miracle enough. And and I've had people chastise me for that view. Mm-hmm. And why? 
It deepens my faith. And and it makes my faith real on a regular basis. Because a lot of times, good things do happen to me. And sometimes they might be bad to somebody else, but I'll take them in a good way. You know? But anyway, sorry. Well, sorry no, 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 about you that, brought up but, a point. We, we brought up, I think, last last Wednesday mm-hmm. night, and from time time we mentioned it. Uh, and and, and I, uh, somebody asked, why do we not see miracles today in our lives? And the fact is, and a couple of you answered, we don't we're probably not it. looking for them. Mm-hmm. We are probably seeing more. If we would stop and look for the miracles, we would see so many that we can't count them. Right. And, and it has to do. And, Everybody calls them coincidences, right? Right. Okay. And my, and my, the fact that I got into law school was not a coincidence. It was, a, it, to me, it was, it was the grace of God and a guidance from the Lord because whenever I, I took the LSAT, folks, uh, I did not do well on it. I didn't study for it. I didn't prep for it. I thought I knew everything. Well, then you what got exactly what you deserve, <laughs> a low grade, dude. You, you, you didn't prepare for it. You didn't yeah, study. No. You got I, what you deserve. I, I, I didn't prepare. I thought when the Lord told me to go to law school, I thought, oh, he's going to open the door for he's me. He's going to take the test Boy. for me. <laughs> exactly. Isn't that, isn't that what we think it sometimes? Is. It's, sometimes it's like the cosmic uh, Santa. That's right. You know, they think, you know, if you, you, you make a list and, and, and you pray about it a couple of times, all of a sudden it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down in your cosmic Santa. That is not it. No, you know? no, no. There was, there was a song and I am sitting here, I am totally blanking on the name of the artist. She did it, Mike. You, you may help me. It was late 80s. She was an older gospel singer at the time, but she did kind of a more contemporary Christian. And it was, give me this, give me that. Was that right? That Christmas list was kind of the, oh, yeah. it was mocking that whole, yes, you know, yeah, thought yeah, that God's going to give me everything. Right. I'm sitting yes, here blanking yeah. on the name. Right. Of it. <laughs> yeah, but, no, but, your, but your faith uh, strengthened. Later on in life, you oh. didn't really have the you didn't really have the foundation when you were young. No, though. not at all. Um, I, I I went to church at Baptist Temple in the Heights on Twentieth Street in Yale. I heard the pastor was Roy Ladd then, told many messages, moved my heart and shook me. Many of my friends gave their life to the Lord, walked up and made a a, a, a statement of faith, and decided to follow the Lord as you might, you know, in, in the Catholic, whatever your faith was, Steve, when you said you determined that you wanted to seek out the Lord more, whatever, whether it was through Scripture, whatever it was, now you can call that born again, you can say repentance, you can call it anything you want. I, I'm of the belief that 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 when you make a decision to follow the Lord and you ask Him to forgive your sins, that's when your life changes. You don't have, you can call it born again, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but I would not do it. Because I, I, I had mentioned I like women, and I did not want to stick with one. I wanted to <laughs> you wanted them all. I wanted as many as I could uh, could go out with, and that that's really my heart. It was right. my friends were giving their lives to the Lord in their teens and everything, and so I I uh, I started playing in rock groups. I'd gotten into music in middle school and high school, and uh, and I started playing in rock groups. Started off first in trumpet and soul groups. Then I began to gradually go over to migrate to guitar and bass, which, uh, uh, and then I played in several groups there in, in Houston. Um, the 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 part where the Lord drew me in was uh, I, I think I was shared with you I was playing downtown in Old Market Square. However, it was not in the best music club that you could be in or music hall. It was actually a strip club, but I, I just considered it practicing because I was between bands. I'd been with a hard classic rock group, uh, and they were very good, but. They, 
we had disbanded. So I was in between. A guy said, you want to come down and keep practicing with me? I'm singing in a strip club. I said, yeah. Well, I didn't look at the the, the scenery, but... Probably, yeah, of course you did. Of course you did. But I was 18 then. I'd graduated from high school. I went to a rock school, a rock disc jockey school. Disc jockey school, excuse me. Went to Columbia School of Broadcasting. Um, graduated from that and started off in radio. Did some news. Uh, did some disc jockey work. Then then um, I was playing at the same time. I was playing downtown. And, and, and I'd been dating a little girl that was a very strong Christian. And her parents did not like where I was playing. And, and I knew in my heart I needed someday to make a decision to serve the Lord. And so... Uh, at that time, they put pressure on me and said, you, you're going to have to stop dating her or stop uh, 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 if you don't quit playing downtown, pl- quit playing music. Well, I thought, well, you know, well, I like playing music. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right, right. But anyway, so uh, the Lord was pressing me at that time. And y'all, uh, you know, you've heard of the, the Holy Ghost is a hound dog or he, he follows you and he, he keeps on you. Well, he did. He finally came, got, brought me to a point. I said, well, okay, Lord. If I stop playing bass down here, would you make yourself real to me? Make yourself known to me. If you're really real, and you know, Lord really honors that when we pray. Sometimes we don't know what to pray, but we we state if 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 you're really real, He will make Himself known to you. I, I firmly believe that, and He did. And about two weeks after I made that statement, um, she read a scripture to me, and and it was just like the Holy Ghost came all over me. Holy Spirit started laughing and laughing and laughing. And uh, it felt just brand new. It felt great. And after that, I just started, immediately started reading the New Testament. And from there, I went on into college. Uh, and so that, that changed my direction. I realized one day I'd have to get married. I right. couldn't have all the women that were out right. there. I'd have to get married and, and, uh, and, and live a righteous life. So I went to college and went to uh, South Texas Junior College, which is U of H downtown. Then I went to University of Houston for a year. And my... Uh, my head of my department, which was journalism, which was broadcast news at that time, because I wanted to stay as near the radio as I could, because I assimilated popularity with women, with being in the air, on the air and news or something, right. being in front of people and playing in front of groups. That was my heart. And, uh, so I, I, that particular department director told me, called in one day with a number of others and said, you need to go to University of Texas or North Texas, because right now we have been defunded from our funds uh, pertaining to broadcast news technology and, and, and being able to practice that. So I sent out two, uh, two resumes, one to North Texas University and one to University of Texas, and I immediately heard from University of Texas. Uh, so I trusted that was the Lord and I went to University of Texas. Now, at that time, Madeline Murray O'Hare was a big influence on the campus of the University of Texas. She was an atheist, world. right? Yes. Oh, she was the, she yes, was the, the head, head, head of, of yeah, yeah, the head atheist. Yeah, in fact, she had my, my brother, and he was quite, quite a follower of hers at University of Texas. But, and, and, I, and I thought a little bit, I, I really don't want to go here, Lord, but he says, trust me. Right. And, 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 and uh, so I went up there, it turned out there is a tremendous Christian move of students on that campus. I mean, just horrendous. I, got, I become part of the Christian movement, the, uh, the students, uh, Students for Christ, and part of the Baptist Student Union, part of uh, Crusade for Christ, whatever. And uh, he had a very great hand up there. And, and, and for two years I stayed there and attended church there also. And then from there I came out and uh, 
uh, met my wife, which you had mentioned earlier, that, and uh, didn't really know where I was supposed to go from there. I sensed that I was supposed to go into another degree, get another degree. I was 25 at that time, but I could not get an answer direct from the Lord. And at that time, I shared in, in, in the class that uh, I was part of the movement that was uh, coming out of California that says, you know, Lord, give us faith. I'll raise your hands. Give, give me faith, Lord. Make me grow in faith. And so I, I did that, honestly. I just said, Lord, give me faith. Well, I didn't hear from him until I was 34. At that time, I heard from the Lord, and he says, oh, go to law school. And boy, I just I couldn't believe it. I sucked my finger in my ear several times and says, I did I hear you right, Lord? <laughs> Are you sure about that? <laughs> well, I did, Robert. I did. I'll tell you what. Because uh, as I shared... Truck driving school? I, yeah. I don't read fast. And I knew it was going to be an overwhelming feat for me to go to law school in the time that you're supposed to go right. and graduate from. Because I had to figure out... I would have to figure out how to pass law school because I don't read fast. And your tests at the end of each semester in law school are extremely difficult. They're like six, nine-hour tests that you're supposed to do in three hours. So me reading slow was a firm uh, uh, detriment to me. But anyway, um, I, I, I dove into that like I did most other dumb things. When, the, when I thought the Lord said, do, do it, I, I dove right in there and signed <laughs> right. up for law. Uh, pardon me, and tried to go to law school. I took the LSAT and did poorly, and it took three years again. But the Lord has hand in all of that. As I look back on it, uh, I finally went and at, went to the admission board at South Texas College of Law, and I talked to him. I said, uh, how could I get in if I haven't done well in my grades on the LSAT? And, uh, and I, I spe specifically spoke to one of the professors, and he said, uh, he told me what to do. So I did. I wrote out the letters and everything and, and sent it in. And then the Lord revealed or I felt like the Lord revealed me. It's hard to say, you know, folks, when, when you hear from the Lord, he doesn't always speak in words. In fact, right. most of the time he does not speak right. in words. Right. Right. He gives you an inkling or an emotion or a gut feeling or something that guides you. And at that time, the only time that I can tell you he spoke to me was when he said go to law school. The rest right. of my life, it's, it's gut feeling, line up with scriptures, talking to you guys, bouncing off things I have in the past that he's worked with me on and guided me through. And you look at your history and look to see the way he leads you. And, uh, you know, the thing about it is, and what a great part of your story is, it just goes to show that it's not a straight line. It's up and down, up and down, up and but down, then down. you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna find your way. And it's great, though, that you went through all those, all those steps and stayed faithful uh, until it was revealed to you. Uh, awesome. Okay. Amos. It's great. To, I had no idea you were studying to be a pastoral counselor. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your own faith journey. All right. I'm Amos. Permit me, I'm still speaking British English. I'm trying to, I came to U.S. about three years ago, and I'm trying to catch up with American English. I'm still speaking. <laughs> right. <laughs> which is lazy English. Yeah. Which is lazy I'm still speaking British English. I was born into a Baptist family. Oh, okay. My so. dad was the choir master for my home church for over 20 years. My mom was also in the in the choir as far as I know. And my journey of faith is what I can call a kind of reduce of destiny. I was in I was in 
class one. I was in no, I was in high school. My first class in high school when I lost my brother, and I happened to be oh. the I happened to be older the or younger brother. He's my older brother. He's the first first son of the family. I'm the second son. Sure. I mean, oh. I have two sisters. We we both have two sisters. The first and the second, uh, the female in the family. But when my first brother died, when my brother died. I just decided I'm going to be a breadwinner for the family. So when I finished my how high school, old, how old were you when you died? I was in, I I was in, I was I was in high school, but my first class in high school. I just moved out of elementary wow. school, okay. just my first year in high school. Mm-hmm. I oh, thirteen or so. You're just a young, young you're just a young yeah, guy. I was so young. My brother wow. was sick for almost, he was admitted for more than 10 months in, hospi- in hospital and eventually passed oh. on. In fact, he took away the family resources. Oh. And he didn't survive. He was transferred from one hospital to another one. My parents spent a lot of money. In fact, when he died, we were like struggling right. with life. Right. So his death made me to determine that I'm going to become the breadwinner for my family. And when I finished my high school, the year I finished, I finished my high school in 1996. That year was the year I met, I, I, mean, I was just a church goer. I didn't know Jesus the way I'm supposed to know him. But November to 1996, I came to, I, I gave my life to Christ. And after one year or two years, I had rapid growth in the Lord. I became the since I'm a be I'm a I belong to the Baptist Church. I became the president of the Baptist Student Fellowship in Nigeria. And the amazing thing was that Southern Baptist Convention brought Baptist work to Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And one thing I love about South, mm-hmm. Southern Baptist Convention is their mission mindedness. Right, this convention right. started in 1945, and they came to Nigeria in 1950, just five years after. Nigeria Baptist work is. Every, it covers every part of the country. So I was born into the Baptist family. So after the death of my brother and when I finished my high school, I just decided that I'm going to become a breadwinner for my family. But it was a... Now, uh, my dad want me... My dad is a chemist. My mom is a trader. My dad want me to become a medical doctor. I want to become a, a chemical engineering. I just want to study either geology or industrial chemistry. My dad wants me to become a, a medical doctor. I intend, I love to become a chemical engineer, but God is calling me into the ministry. <laughs> so that was the beginning of my crisis. I ran away for four or five years that God, I don't want to become a pastor because somebody died in my family and he took away all the family resources. Mm-hmm. I just made up my mind that nothing interests me in becoming a pastor. But for four years, five years, I was running away god was like frustrating all my efforts i was a science student and i was so brilliant i was so good in science but admission was not coming for me into the university because god was calling me i just jettisoned the call of god i said okay if i'm not going to be admitted in the science department let me change my program to a commercial line and i went for accounting program i was admitted and I finished the first part of my account. In fact, before I finished the first part of my accounting, the call of God was just heavy on me. 
I will not be in the church. Revivalist will come to my church and they will be giving a word of knowledge about me. And people that went to revival will come back to my house that you didn't come to church today. Revivalist that came, mention your name that God is calling you. I was afraid. Why did this guy go on the pulpit to Not mention my God name? Not only God was calling you, but the people were calling you. <laughs> the people were, uh, God was calling you through the people. Not through the, uh, not through the way, not through the people. That was just a confirmation that God was calling right. me. Because February, I've forgotten the day, February 2000, when I was, when I finished my, before I, I, I was admitted for accounting program, I went to, I went for this program, we call it A-level program. That was where I met my wife, Elizabeth. She also came for A-level program. And this A-level program was to take me to 200 level in the university. One night I was praying with my friend, uh, the presence of God came on me and I fell down where we were praying. Nobody pushed me down and I started seeing revelation that has to do with God calling me into the ministry. There, are about five, there were about five different revelations that were super uh, personal to me. And that night I was confused and I even told my, I told my pastor, I told my other spiritual brothers that this is what I'm seeing. And they were like telling me that, look, you thought you are going to go find in your academic career, but God is telling you something else. Despite that, I ran away for four years because I was not interested. Until when God was frustrating my effort, I almost ran mad before I finally submitted to God's calling. And the day I submitted to the calling of God for my life was the day I started having peace in life. One of, my one of the reasons why I didn't want to become a pastor was that in the country where I came from, from I, a lot of people feel that pastors don't do well, they can't even provide their daily needs. And I was like, how can I become a pastor in this family that had this terrible loss? My parents will be expecting me to um, take good to care of them and get a, a well-payable job. And becoming a, becoming a pastor will not actually aim me to become somebody important in life. That was my thinking. But eventually I submitted to God's calling. I went to Baptist uh, seminary. Before I finished Baptist seminary, a church came to pick me out of the seminary. And do, that church has been planted for 17 years. They've been looking for me. I pastored that church for seven years before I came to U.S. Well, I, uh, when I got married, with, I met my wife when I was doing a level IGMB. God is awesome. The course I was looking for that I intended to do was the course that was given to my wife. <laughs> Elizabeth eventually studied industrial chemistry. Mm -hmm. I still worked as an uh, industrial analyst in one pharmaceutical company before we came to U.S. But I was pastoring in the church. I did that for, I, I was privileged to... Uh, to pioneer two different churches, Baptist churches, Baptist churches. And the last one where we left, I was there for seven years before God brought me to this place to come and to further my study. And actually, I'm doing Master of Divinity with three different concentrations. <laughs> You're doing the whole course. <laughs> yeah, doing, I want to do them all. I'm doing well, biblical counseling and I'm doing preaching, and the third one is the family life. Wow. I came okay. to I came to US January 2014, 
Actually, the reason why I was doing preaching, I, I came to do biblical counseling, but when I was doing advanced expository preaching, I met a professor who inspired me. He said, Amos, I noticed that you are an experienced African preacher. I'd like you to do preaching. You are very good on the pulpit. Mm -hmm. After that semester, I had a preaching to my concentration. That was how later on I had a family life. <laughs> uh, summer last year, I transferred my program from Fort Worth. I spent two and a half years in Fort Worth with Elizabeth before we transferred a program to Houston Graduate School of Theology, where um, I continue with my MDF. And my graduation is coming up December this year. Uh, right. What else am I supposed to say? I, I'm sorry, Mister. Where are you attending school? Where is Houston Graduate School? Yeah, they are located in Willamette's Baptist Church. Yeah, that's how. Kevin, I talked about it last week. I know exactly where that is. I know exactly where that is. That is for those of y'all who in our church that know George Gaston. We know him as George Gaston Jr. George Gaston is West Bedford. There's a George Gaston Senior. Senior, right? He was right. Gaston. Okay, George Gaston Senior is actually George Gaston the third. Right. George, oh, okay. Our George Gaston that we all know with is kids the fourth. is the four, is a four. Oh, okay. And him and my wife actually grew up together. Because my wife and I got married at Willow Meadows Baptist Church. All right. That was her home church. Wow. <laughs> so your journey has come a long way. And and God so just I, like just like Mike. You get you both of you guys fought it. <laughs> fought the impulses what God wanted you to do for some time. And and you know, and that reminds us we had a guy. Um, go ahead and pull that over here. Lynn Pilcher. And Lynn yeah. said, and I'll never forget this, he goes, you don't, uh, you don't accept God, you quit rejecting God. Well, he did say that, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, and, that's, uh, yeah. and that makes perfect sense that, to me. Wow. <clears throat> unlike, you, unlike you guys, I never had those kind of uh, struggles. I was uh, raised on a farm, in pig farm in Michigan. My mother uh, was an organist uh, at a Methodist church because she was a musician. Um, and it was at a Methodist church. My grandparents lived across the street, um, were Mennonites. So I went to the Methodist church, but I loved going to the Mennonite church. That was just pure religion. Although being in the farm, you're closer to nature, and so I get I get all the examples from the Bible with the agriculture. It makes perfect sense. I was around that. I know that sheep are knuckleheads. You know, I know this kind of stuff. I've experienced it. <clears throat> you know the the stories in this. I thought you had pigs. We had pigs, but there was. <laughs> uh, but if you're on the farm, <laughs> you know what happened. <laughs> You've been around it all. Away from eventually brought me to U.S. I didn't want to become a pastor. I didn't want to save God, but I continue serving Him here in U.S. What I was right. running away from is what actually brought me to this place. That's right. That is awesome. I, my, I don't really have, I mean, and the, the beautiful thing about this particular podcast is to show the differences that each man has, the different journey of faith. I never had that eureka moment or struggle. I was just one of those people that believed. It just made sense to me. The reason why I continued to want to deepen my faith, and I'm sure it's 
many of the people that are out there listening to the podcast is this. I'm just convinced it'll make my life better. Plain and simple. I, I'm just, I mean, uh, no real, no necessarily plain. Something more than us. That's right. That's right. And, uh, and my grandpa really put it in perspective for me. Uh, I asked him one day uh, why he went to church. He goes, uh, I go to church every Sunday because uh, it straightens me out. It lasts about seven days. And that made perfect sense to me. Uh, and it pretty much uh, stayed with me going from the pig farm, going into the Navy, living in Japan, going to college, and then moving down to Texas. But because of that base of faith, when I went looking for a church, I, I'm absolutely certain the Lord guided me here because I had I had a plan of what I wanted. I wanted a church that believed in the Trinity. I wanted something that was soul competency. I didn't want to go through any kind of saints. Other than the and I wanted something fairly small, just because that's what I was used to. And that's it, when King Cor was here. And that was King Cor. And sure, it, and it came here. And we were small then. And we were <laughs> and we and back and back years ago we were small. But and it just but I've always wanted to be a writer and speaker. And Amos, what you said about you wanted to be a chemical engineer and then accountant, um, I, I did okay uh, as that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to be a writer and speaker, and I never knew what I wanted to write and speak about. Mm -hmm. I was a DJ for many years, totally enjoyed it, but even though I made money doing that, this man up that we've all been involved in has been much more fulfilling for me. And I really feel that God has put me here for other guys that are tired of getting the preacher response or 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 getting you feeling like they're they're being used uh, uh, through the church and not being fed. Uh, you know, kind of thing, and that's the unique thing about where my faith journey, you know, ha has taken me. And it's, I ended up here. I ended up here with you guys. Yeah, and uh, professor. So, like Mike, I grew up. I grew up in Galena Park, but which is a small suburb, small city actually, on the outskirts of Houston. And the other side. Other side. Other side. Yeah, it's on the east side of Houston, and. It, it's kind of joking because Kyle knows he that he knows when I'm coming in because I'm wearing cowboy boots just about every day, and I do. Well, that's um, the Gilly side. That's that the is, country. That, well, that's the country and, and actually, side of. Houston. I grew up at the height of urban cowboy. I was in high school, the 1979 John Travolta movie based on the Gillies nightclub. Um, Mickey Gillies' son, Greg Gilly, was in the class below mine at Galena Park High School. All of their <laughs> your legacy. Uh, all of their all of their actual fundraisers for that class were Mickey Gilly concerts in the auditorium. I kid you not. <laughs> no. They had a prom that I, I heard their prom was the prom to beat all proms. So they had I have so no much right, money. Right. Uh, but and but I wear them. A they're comfortable to me because I've worn them for years. But B it, it is a way to remember my legacy. It's the way that I remember 
a lot of people make fun of good old boy rednecks from the south. Right, right. And believe me, there are some things there that you can make fun of. Right, right. <laughs> but there's also some things, you know, the God, your mama, and me, mm-hmm. you know, kind mm-hmm. of philosophy. And so I kind of wear them as kind of a reminder of that, too. That, right. you know, that God is first, then your family, mm-hmm. you know, and then you take, and then you work a hard 40 hours right. when you work. Uh, so I left there, and my aspiration was actually to be an astronaut, initially. Oh, um, no. I had horrible eyesight, so I downgraded to right. an right. aerospace engineer mm-hmm. because right. I realized that there is yeah. no way I'm gonna, they're going to let me fly <laughs> anything. <laughs> right. um, and actually spent my first year of college at San Jose State University. They had a 3-2 program with Texas A&M. Okay. You spent three years at Sam Houston, and then you spent two years at Texas A&M, and, it, and when you were doing that, you ended up with a degree in physics Faith. and a degree in aerospace engineering. Wow. All right. So kind of a dual degree. So ended up transferring to the University of Houston, crash happened. During all of this, I was dating a young lady, and this is the biggest part I want to share is this part. Dating a young lady who was Baptist. I grew up Catholic light. I was Episcopalian. <laughs> right, I thought you were going to say Lutheran. No, yeah. no it, it, Catholic, the Episcopal Church is as close to the Catholic as you can get to Catholic. Mm-hmm. They just kind of threw out marrying the Pope and they kept everything else. <laughs> and okay. so, but I was dating a young lady and I dated her high school through the first part of college. And she was Baptist. She had grown up Baptist. And we dated for a very long time. And... She started playing piano for a church on the north side of Houston. Well, I was working at a grocery store on Sundays because that was my one day to work. So I could have a little money in my pocket. So I was doing that. Well, we closed at 5, so I could drive with her to church. So I was like, I'll just go to church with her. So I took her. Well, she had a pastor. And by then I had already accepted Christ, even through the Episcopal religion. You could still have that at a youth camp. So if you ever wonder why I hang with youth so much, there's why. Um, but their pastor was, he taught the Baptist faith and message on Sunday nights, which is kind of the... Contemporary. Right. It's, the, kind, of. it's kind of the what the Baptists believe. And oh, he good. never, he never hammered me. That's good. He never pushed me. He never did anything that was hardcore, you have to or else. Yeah, you're going to it was else. just logical, thought-out process. And I started thinking about, when's the last time we read the Bible in the Episcopal Church? <laughs> Priest goes up there and reads it, but that's the only thing I know. There's all this prayer stuff, but that's all kind of pre-programmed. Yeah. And so that kind of led me to being a Baptist. Um, changed so you started from, reading it. Yeah, I started reading you actually it. Started, <laughs> actually started reading it. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy cow. And ch- kind of changed, and I took kind of a winding road like everybody else. I changed from... All the engineering stuff ended up graduating in psychology with a degree in psychology. Spent a couple of years in seminary, dabbled, thought I was really going to be a youth minister for a very long period of time. Spent about three years, got about 52 hours towards my MDiv. Uh, Didn't finish it, mainly because youth ministers are a dime a dozen. And in the Houston area at that time, and Mike, you may remember this, late 80s, early 90s, if you were going to be a youth minister... All the churches in Houston hired a youth music minister. Do not ever ask me to sing 
ever. <laughs> the, the verse, make a joyful noise, was written for me. <laughs> um, so, you know, and kind of took a circuitous route. Um, left there, I was a case manager for a couple of years with MHMRA, Mental Health Retardation Authority. Um, did a couple of years stint as an outside sales guy doing industrial sales. Um, ended up as a financial sales guy, you know, stockbroker, insurance type sales guy. Um, by then, though, I had a small problem. I had a wife and a couple of kids. That's a problem. And only if you're in a only if you're in a commission only sales job. <laughs> and so um, I went to work for AIG, where I was for a very long time. And my joke was, people were like, well, you were a sales guy. You were making lots of money. I said, I took a, I took a pay cut, but I made more money because right. it was consistent pay. Right. And yeah. ended up after a year, I had done a lot of teaching, obviously, when I was in seminary and all that, and kind of got called into corporate training. And then about a year ago, about, oh, God, three years ago now, I got really silly and decided I wanted to be a, a certified master trainer. Right, right. And so I went ahead and did my certified professional learning and performance mm -hmm. certificate and that kind of led me to where I am now. But I, I will say this. As much as I enjoy my training gig and all that, this is one of those things. And, and I got asked by Denny on the Vigilantes radio thing, what's personal to you about this? And really to me, it's kind of like you guys. Um, hey, I kind of commented on our 54th podcast, what a ride. And on my personal Facebook page, I copied over my interview, making a comment that who'd have thunk it? Right. Right. <laughs> you know, a year ago that we would be here with 54 podcasts in, recording 55 tonight, and growing in our faith, being challenged in our faith. You guys have challenged me tremendously in my faith as far as as we move forward in our faith and our journey together, you know, and being authentic with it. This has just been one of those things that I almost refuse to leave now because this has become such a big deal, and I'm excited about the future. I I am too. I get all these uh, comments, people, and the the like. And Steve and I were talking about this earlier. The comment that comes up the most often is that it's authentic. The second comment is is that people feel that we're accessible, and I'm hoping that people that listen to this podcast this week understand this. Your journey is personal. And, and, and oh, like yeah. you said, and unique. Bill, it, is, it is ups and downs and twists and turns. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and brother, there are some hairpins in mine. <laughs> you know? And there's things in all of it that you wouldn't expect. And like Steve brought up, who would have thought a boy from Brooklyn <laughs> would have a house over here in Sugarland? I, I, and you, you don't know, but you just, you have to have faith. You have to trust, but I feel, and that is one of the big things about the Man Up movement, and I call it a movement because it's the podcast, it's also the men's only adult Bible fellowship where guys can, for one hour, just be real. Understand this, guys are leaders. They do need that time to be around other leaders to have unfiltered 
fellowship so that equips them to go back out and lead. And that's been the beautiful thing about this Man Up well, movement. And, and you're mentioning movement, and that's something Kyle and I now, we're working on a new thing that's going to be a curriculum set that other groups can take and use as a facilitation discussion. I'm going to dust off the old Life at Work series that we did right. and prep it. That'll give us two. And then we've kind of bounced now about talking about spiritual disciplines from a men's perspective. So we'll end up with three studies that other groups can take in their church, in their small... It doesn't have to be a church. There, there was a group... It could be a gathering. Here. Absolutely. A group of guys here that pretty much... They, it was a couple of guys from here, a couple of guys from some other church, and they met for breakfast right. for a couple of years. You know, even Absolutely. that kind of a meeting where they can meet and just give, it, give them something. Because a lot of times I do a Bible study on Sunday mm-hmm. nights with youth right. group, and... The biggest problem we've had with ICTUS, that's what we call it, because we swim upstream against the culture, is that there's not a lot of good junior high Bible studies out there. I, I read through most of it, and most of it, quite frankly, and I will say this on a podcast, they're crap. <laughs> but they're very much the Sunday school answers. They're not going to give you, they're, they're they, not that they relevant to, to where I went and wrote my own curriculum. Good for right. you. Because okay, for you. Right. We're, the, the thing is, to pick up what you're saying, right. and, and that this is, man up is an example of exactly what you're talking about. This was not... We just you know, did it. We just We're not. We're not. We are. We. We. We, uh, we're all, we're, we all attend. We, the members are all attend uh, Sugarland Baptist Church. But we did not ask permission to do this, and we. Uh, you know, and I'm sure we'll be, they're very happy with it, that we do it as as long as I ask, we almost we don't go, go way off. Don't way, go wrong. Way off Right. Um, but, uh, but nonetheless, uh, it's 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 exactly this sort of thing I think that illustrates it. You don't, and and that's also a good thing about a lot of a lot of these types of churches. Um, they are decentralized. Um, there's no, and, and that's this, this is the one thing they're in common with 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 Presbyterian, which brought me immediate there. We hire our pastors. The they're they're congregationalist. Um, Free will. Uh, well, well, let's. That's uh, <laughs> a different conversation. <laughs> I said we're here yeah. by the grace of him yeah, of the church. So, but but nonetheless, the 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 congr- it is a com- it, it's the church itself is a community of believers. Uh, it's not it's not top down. It's bottom up, and it's this is an example of that. Uh, and and here's here's Robert designing curriculum that that. Um, we that he uses he uses with the youth. My my son attends his uh, has been. He's, he's full. we'll get him back there. It was my Fixing my accident that, uh, my accident we're, that we're kind of stopped that. next year. Um, but nonetheless, it's a it's it's great and and uh, so there's you know in some ways yeah we're we're regular guys but we have this opportunity to be ministers without portfolio. Right, right. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go ahead. And we're gonna we're gonna wrap this one up, man. This has been awesome, and I hope that you've enjoyed getting a little more insight on each of the members of the panel. Robert is in just a few moments going to give us the uh, preview of the upcoming study for Samuel. It's going to be awesome. But I, what I would like, though, uh, one final thing from the panel is 
any kind of saying or anything that just like a short little thought or something maybe that someone said to you that just either helps you makes this all feel uh, make sense or uh, has really helped you along the way and uh, and then just give us a little a uh, little summary and start with uh, Mr. Steeptitch. I'm going to go all intellectual on you. Uh, <laughs> Evelyn Waugh wrote a book, novel, called Bride's Head Revisited. And in it, uh, it's, it's, in fact, it's a section subheading. It's, it's, it's uh, divided into sections. And a character mentions this. He refers to the twitch upon the thread. And that is in the context of returning to the Lord that God will, like a, like a fisherman, will cast his line, and like a fish, you will go out maybe a long way. But sooner or later, God will put the twitch upon the thread <laughs> and wind you back. And that's in many ways what this novel is about. If you read it, I'll, I won't spoil it. It's been, it was really well dramatized back in the, I think, in the 80s. Uh, and, and they made a more recent movie about it. The 80s miniseries is just great. But go read the book first. But there, Twitch Upon the Thread. I Twitch think that's, in many thread. ways, the Lord works. Wow. Excellent. And Evelyn Waugh was a good Catholic. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Spin around again. <laughs> Michael Cropper. Yes, I uh, just comment... Um, Folks, you know, we could share a lot more with you. We're running out of time. And um, I, I think of the phrase that I grew up hearing so many times from my teachers and now pastors or sometimes friends. They say, have faith in God. Well, folks, you don't just have faith. You grow in faith. From the time you're young, when you accept the Lord or decide to follow him, as Steve did, decide to make him your first, uh, the first part of your life, you you learn if you read the Bible, you talk to other Christians, your faith will grow as you do it. And the more you stretch yourself, the more you seek Him, and the more th you do things that are difficult in serving the Lord, your faith will grow. It's just, have faith is just not there. It's something you grow in and you learn. Absolutely agree. Work, work out your salvation. Amos. Yes, yes Considering the forum we have tonight, I want to bring out this understanding that God is taking everyone through different routes in life and as a man you need to cherish what God is doing in your life and appreciate that. That's all I have. Very good. Yeah. Excellent. Very nice. <clears throat> you know, um, the, the thing that has always, uh, faith is like a discipline. Just like anything else, you have to you have to be disciplined to be on this journey. But um, I I also would just like to touch on a, a quick thing: uh, the soul. The soul is not an organ. However, if you exercise your faith, you increase and enrich your soul. And you can tell how it comes out because it affects a person's heart, their mind, and ultimately their hands and their feet mm -hmm. and what they do. Mm -hmm. So 
soul is not an organ, but it does season the rest of your organs. So, um, and with that, I'm going to turn it over to the professor. Tell us uh, a quick uh, idea, and then also give us a preview of okay. the uh, so next I, study. I'm going to go really short with my idea. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German pastor, theologian, had a long story about him on my interview. Mm-hmm. If you want to know more. If you don't know more about him, I would encourage everyone to go read about him and read about his life. It's an amazing story. He wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And in that book, he said, when Christ calls a man, he comes him to bid, he bids him to come and die. And we have to die to the world and live to Christ. And that is mm-hmm. so hard for men in the culture we live in. So right, kind of right. be watching for that. So where we are headed, so we're back in Connect 360 starting next week. And, and we kind of joked about, we just finished Six Battles Every Man Must Win by Bill Perkins. And it was on David's Mighty Men, mainly located in First and Second Samuel. Mm-hmm. So, pulled the book out, looked at it, and said, Connect 360, all the Bible for all of life, a study of First Samuel. Right. And I went, wow, really? Right. And then I read the headline, Character and the Crown. And this could be, we have had... We have had some amazing studies mm-hmm. as a group. Right. Six battles. We we made fun about having nothing with Genesis. And <laughs> God, we went forever on it. Right. Then we did um, going viral in the Acts of the Apostles and then called to serve and how we're called to service. This one is going to hit the core of man up and what you said. Bill. And the man experience. A- absolutely. Absolutely. What this is about is about how character influences leadership and and character not ethics but character there's a dearth of character in this country right now and as christian men what's the difference we have the ethic, ethics ethics is yeah, really totally. just a it's a set of beliefs that you believe in mm-hmm. character is how you act out your ethics mm-hmm. Okay. And what you do with your ethics. Okay. And so we're going to be hitting leadership and character for the next 12 weeks. Excellent. And That's I, I, starting next week, I'll be up in the youth. Maybe I'll pop in every now and then down here mm-hmm. um, for, for this study. But I am beyond pumped for the Wednesday night. I will probably pull out every John Maxwell book known to mankind. We've been warned. That's right. You have been warned. Leadership is one of those things that I've done a lot of excess mm-hmm. study on because I do a lot of executive coaching <laughs> and, and executive um, training mm-hmm. at all my companies that I worked at. And so leadership is one of those things that I'm all over. And this is just. I'm excited. (laughs) Well, we're going to be here, and we hope you are too. This has been the Man Up uh, podcast, and it's podcast number 55. We encourage each and every one of you to uh, join a Bible-based church, get involved in a men's-only group, and if there isn't one, start one. This is Man Up. You can find us on Facebook. We're also on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Man Up. You've got anything. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. 
dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man Dash Up. Post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.